I'm Katie Marenghi. This is No Matter, the podcast where we panic and phone a friend. So remember how we started this season with Al and I being really overwhelmed by choice? There were just so many sperm donors and so many banks. We just didn't know how we'd ever choose. Yeah, we compared it to dating in New York. Yeah, and it turns out we were completely wrong. Instead, it's more like trying to find an apartment in New York. Yeah, by the time you find one, it's already gone. Exactly. With even our most basic criteria, we're seeing very few donors. And our fertility clinic recommends sticking to just three cryobanks because they can sort of vouch for their quality. So we've looked at every available option and none of them feel right. Either we have some concerns about their family medical history or they don't have the physical or intellectual or personality traits we sort of had in mind. And we're also conscious that our kid could have contact with this donor one day if they want. And so we also want someone who seems nice, like a like a decent person. It's just such a big decision. Right. And that's when we learn to watch for new donors. Okay, so explain what just happened. <laughs> I was cleaning out my email and noticed that we got an email yesterday about new donors at the cryobank. And when I opened it, I noticed that there was a blonde, blue-eyed basketball player, six foot one, who had a master's in accounting. So like, sort of like me. And so I was like, oh, I wonder if he's CMV negative and would fit your genetic thing. So I ran over to the computer real quick. And immediately when I logged in, it said his files were already gone, which didn't make any sense to me because I just got this email yesterday. And so when we called the crowd bank, they were like, yeah, he was super popular. He was gone right away. It's so stressful. I will say this now feels like a competitive sport and I am ready to go. Uh, <laughs> if there's anything that motivates you, Allison, it's a competitive sport. I'm now figuring out how to set off notifications I really feel like we need to get up. We need to find out from our new friend, Sean, who's very nice at the cryobank, uh-huh. exactly when they do the updates. Maybe we start checking the website just every single morning. I kind of think that's what we probably have to do. I think we should. So we should go in and check first thing when we have our coffee in the morning. Okay. And I'm call in. right away. Are you a little worried we're not going to find a donor? I mean, I have to believe we're going to find one eventually. But I also know we can't start trying until we have the sperm. So I don't know. That makes me nervous. Okay. I actually think I can help with this. I got a very special guest to give us some advice after the break. I'm excited. Okay. So a few years ago, we were on a long road trip. I was driving, of course. Of course. I'm a passenger princess. And we had been talking about how we wanted to be parents someday. And neither of us had any idea how that might work. We had heard the acronyms IVF, IUI, but that was about it. And we still had like four hours left in our drive. So I thought, hmm, there's got to be a podcast about this. And there was. Yeah, we listened for hours to two queer women interviewing their friends about their experiences getting pregnant. 
They were funny and warm and, importantly for us, very detailed about the process and the emotions. And, yeah, we just learned a lot. A lot. And that podcast was If These Ovaries Could Talk. And guess what? You've been so excited for this. I know. I spoke to the co-creator and host of the show, Jamie Kelton. Basically queer fertility royalty. Basically. And Al, I'm really excited to share the conversation with you because I think it's going to help us finally choose a donor. Okay, great, because we need it. Okay, but first, for anyone not familiar with Jamie, here is her story. I am a gay woman married to my wife. And um, when, right after we got married, it was always agreed that we just always like mutually agreed. I don't know how much we talked about it, but it was ever, always a given that I would be the one to carry. It was just kind of assumed. And then after we got married, all of a sudden, my wife and I were like sitting in a bar having beers, as you do, as a self-respecting lesbian. And um, she just turned to me and she goes, you know, I think I want to carry. And I was like, I always make her like a, sound like a truck driver. <laughs> She's from Queens. I don't know why I put this voice on every time I do her. But she's she like, you know, I think I want to carry. And um, she doesn't sound anything like that. She really doesn't. She gets so annoyed with me. But that's my that's my personification of my wife, Anne. Um, and that threw us for a bit of a loop because that was never in the plan. We always knew I would. I was younger, so I thought we had more time to wait. So she was seven years older than me, which meant that meant if we were going to do this, we had to start now. My career was popping. I was a, a musical theater performer, and I was just booked, booked solid. I was really going, going, going. I had the momentum. And if we did this, that meant I was going to have to step back from that and, and focus on creating the family. Um, and so threw us for a little bit of a loop, but we did it. We went for it. Uh, my wife got pregnant fairly easily. We used... Um, sperm donor at a sperm bank and um, some I, some IUIs and then one IVF and she was pregnant and my daughter was born. I was really scared of being a non-bio mom because that was never something I thought was in the cards for me. I never even thought of that for myself. And uh, so then I had to come to terms with having a child that was not genetically tied to me. And some people have no problem with that whatsoever. It doesn't genetics and and bio, uh, biology and DNA doesn't matter. But for me, I had this hang up that no, no, no. I wanted my child to be uh, be a little me, which sounds so selfish. But it's okay to be selfish when you're when you're creating your family. I think, and we talk about that all the, all the time on the podcast because, as you know, us queer folks have to make so many decisions when it comes to making our families because there are so many paths, so many paths to parenthood. And every person's decision is valid and okay. And there's no judgment anywhere. So, but it still feels icky when I say that I cared so much. I come to find out it doesn't matter. I have two children, one of which is bio and one of which is non-bio. And it doesn't matter at all. But I had to hang up, had to work through that. When it came to my turn to to get pregnant, I suffered a bout of infertility, unexplained infertility. It took me um, almost three years to get pregnant. And during that time, I started getting lonely, as, as you do, and, and sad, and wanted to hear my story reflected back to me somewhere, anywhere. I wanted a book. I wanted a movie. I wanted a TV show. I wanted a podcast. I looked everywhere, and I thought, surely there's a podcast about queer people making babies. Surely there, there is. There's a podcast about freaking anything, everything. And this was four years ago. 
Um, and it wasn't out there. So I couldn't believe it. I had this idea. Somebody needs to make this podcast. And I didn't know who was going to make it. And then I ran into my lesbian mom friend that I would see once a year at the Pride family picnic. And I remember she's an actress and a, 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 as well as me and a performer. And I just went up to her and said, you, wanna, you know what? You want to make a podcast with me? <laughs> and, then, um, and then If These Ovaries Could Talk was born, the Queer Families podcast. I feel so lucky that they had already created this podcast before we needed it. Seriously. So the big question I had for Jamie was, how did you choose your sperm donor? We lovingly refer to that search as the search for Superman because that is what it becomes. We grapple with every little thing. We, you go to the table, you go, like, if you're going to the sperm bank, you go to the website and you see them all there and you get a little like, oh my God, you're like a kid in a candy shop. Like, oh my, look at all the donors. Then you start narrowing it down. Okay, I want, I want, we want to make sure that, that the donor has um, features like, like the non-bio parent. So we type that in then it narrows down a little bit. You still have so many, right? It becomes, you start nitpicking the craziest, most ridiculous things because all of a sudden it's like you're building the perfect human you are creating the perfect human it's this fantasy that you're creating that you think this child is going to turn into when you pick this perfect perfect individual specimen of a human and it's um oh god like we we start <laughs> we started um xing donors out because like one guy had had um he <laughs> he had had acne as a teenager <laughs> I was like, no, I mean, who hasn't, who has, but I was like, oh no, 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 we can't look, he, look, he, he, he checked acne. He checked off acne. Like if you checked off acne, that means you probably had a lot of it. No, 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 we can't like, yeah, I know, but no, like it's so everybody had acne as a child. Like, come on. Um, and then also who knows if these donors are even telling the truth. There's no way to know that it's all, you know, based on the honor system. Because since we knew each of us was going to carry one, we want each of us wanted to somewhat resemble this donor. Luckily, the two of us kind of look the same on paper. We're both white. We both have light hair, light eyes. Um, she's taller than me. I'm very short. But um, so that was easy. So picking the attributes was pretty easy because we have similar attributes, so uh, characteristics. And so we wanted somebody who kind of resembled us. Um, we wanted like a, a good health record. Um, make sure there were no uh, terrible diseases in the family, or not too much cancer. I didn't want. <laughs> I'm like really short, and I'm one of those rare people who didn't want to have crazy tall children. So I wanted a sh I wanted a donor on the shorter side because I have this like nightmare of myself with teenagers like trying to scream at them, but they're like towering over me, and I just I. Can't have that. And most of the donors at the bank are at least, they're like six feet and up. And up. There's so many tall donors. Um, especially when you're, when, you're, when, you're at, when you're looking for a white donor. A lot of the white donors are, are tall. Um, but so we found the shortest, one of the shortest ones we could. He was 5'11". Um, and that's as short as we could find. My wife is athletic and I am a singer and a dancer. So we were like, well, they have to be able to do all of that, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> this feels kind of targeted hmm because i i guess i kind of have been searching for superman yeah it's just hard not to like this is a really super important decision 
I know. Okay, let's keep listening because she had some more really good advice. We chose this guy because he was musical and and he was pretty to look at and he checked all the boxes, right? And we were out to dinner with friends, actually, who had, who were also uh, gay moms and they had done it before us. And we had kind of followed their path because we do this thing in our community we call um, LGBTQ drafting, where we just follow the couples before us who've done it, you know, with the legal, you take their papers or you use their lawyer. And, you know, we just, we LGBTQ draft, we just follow the paths. Um, and so, yeah, we had like drafted off of them how to do the thing. And um, we, th- we always thought that they had used a closed donor as well. We never, actually, I don't even think we ever thought about it. And we were talking about it. And they said to us, we were talking about their daughter's donor. And they just said to us, oh, yeah, no, we made sure that we made sure that we ha- had an open donor because we wanted to give her a choice. Um, when she turns 18, we're making all these decisions and she's not even born yet. And, and who, who are we to decide that she doesn't have rights to, to meet possibly half of her DNA someday? And they said that. And Anne and I's eyes, I remember, locked over the table and we were like, we gave, we gave each other a look like, fuck, that makes a lot of sense, you know? And that night we went home and we chose donor, the other donor that we had had on the list. But we had already tried one time with that first one. And now the more people I interview, the m- more solidified I am in the fact that I'm really happy that we opted for, for a donor that would give our children the choice. They might not want to. And they might. They might feel very strongly. They might not give a crap. But at least we gave them, we put the ball in their court. They, they can decide. It's there if they need it, if they want it. But not everybody feels that way. Some people we have interviewed were like, nope, hell no. I do not want that person in my life whatsoever or my child's life. And, you know, to each their own. It's, it is what it is. Like, every choice is valid and beautiful. All of the donor-conceived people that we have interviewed have come from queer families. So two moms, two dads, or, you know, the, the gamut, um, because we try to keep it in the, in the queer family community. Some of them have met their donors and were happy that they, that they were, had the ability to. And a good portion of them didn't meet their donors, did not have the option to meet their donors because they're older um, and are fine with it. And I think that the difference here, and I have spoken with the Donor Conceived Council and Donor Conceived People's Alliance and all those folks who feel very, very strongly that much stronger regulations need to happen in our, in our fertility space to protect donor conceived people. And I understand their argument. The difference between our queer families and some of these other donor conceived people's families is when we when we go to make our, our our children with a donor, we go out into the world. It is obvious that we used help to make this family, and so we have this conversation with our children and with the world constantly about where the child came from. Right? We we tell these origin stories. We are open. We are honest. Our children know the origin stories. All of the donor conceived people that we have interviewed had known that they were donor conceived since they can remember. And because of that, they don't necessarily have hangups. Some of them felt like, I need to know this part of me. I need to know this part of me. And they were able to, and they did. 
but most of them were very well adjusted and and fine with the fact that they that they were donor conceived and understood it and were able to make the decisions that they wanted to make. I don't know. It's it's tricky because the worst thing you can do is is hide or lie about it. And that's where the betrayal happens and that's why there's donor conceived people out there who are really upset. Rightly so. They were lied to, right? And then not given the option to get to know this person that donated half of their genetics. I can ima- I could be I can imagine being pissed myself. Um, but our families are are a little bit different, and I think that that's something that we are united in this, but we are also a bit divided. Um, but across the board, I think it's safe to say that the more open and honest you are with your children about their origin story, the better adjusted they're going to be about the fact that they come from a different type of family. Yeah, that's a really important one. Like, we want our kid to be able to make that decision. Right. And we're lucky that it's much more common now. I think most sperm banks are phasing out the closed donor route. I mean, it feels virtually impossible to stay completely anonymous in the age of the internet. Totally. Okay, and this actually comes into play with how they ultimately chose their donor. We were grappling, grappling, grappling with these two donors. We didn't know we were going back and forth. I, I called the sperm bank and I'm like, you can, I, I don't know what to do. And this, the lady at the sperm bank, she said to me, can I give you my advice? I was like, yes, please. She said, I would go with this one because he's very handsome. I couldn't believe she said that. We didn't end up going with that one, but that's because of a different reason. We had also kind of grappled with using a known donor and we were sitting in a restaurant one night and we were like, well, what are we going to do about this? What do we, and we said, well, what if we use, what if we just ask our friend that we had been talking about and saying he would be so good? Maybe we just do it. Should we just ask him? Should we do it? Should we do it? Should we do it? Even though we had done all the shopping for the, the anonymous donors. And then it dawned on us that, wait a second, this friend of ours has none of the attributes or the characteristics and nothing, like nothing that we are looking for in a sperm donor. But we realized it doesn't matter because we love him, right? And so that was the realization. That night, that's when we picked the donor, that night. We just said, you know what? It, it, it doesn't, we're going to love this baby. We're going to love this baby. So let's just choose one and be done with it. Huh. What are you thinking? That maybe the perfect man doesn't exist. I mean, I could have told you that already, but <laughs> I know what you mean. I do feel like maybe we're overthinking it. So, okay, I also had to ask, with all the thinking that they put into it, do Jamie's kids have any of the donor's traits? Um, yes, I think so. I think my daughter is crazy athletic, but she has no interest in doing any sports so that there's that but she's super like strong and athletic and if she put herself to it she'd be great and she's starting to have some musical and my son I mean he's only four so it's hard to tell with him but you know it's it's all I don't know who knows like the first um lesson in parenting is realizing that no matter what you do no matter what you do to secure a really wonderful existence for these little babies they come out who they are right away they are who they are from the get-go they have their own personalities they do their own things and you have no control that's that's the number one lesson in parenting you're you have no control none none you think you do but you don't (laughs) honestly that's kind of reassuring i agree okay so al yes 
Let's choose a sperm donor. Oh, God. After the break. It's a Friday night at 11 p.m. and we're on the Sperm Bank website. When we put in our filters, we see one new donor. He's 6'1". We both have tall families, so this is a plus. He has blonde hair and blue eyes. The blue eyes are definitely you. Like, that's one of the first things I noticed about you. He got good grades in school, which is also very you. He's also athletic and likes sports. Okay, so there are only two photos, and both are really grainy and show him as a young kid. But I do think he kind of looks like you. Like, something about the chin. (laughs) Yeah. Also, the sperm bank staff describe him as, quote, as handsome as can be. I do think they use that pretty liberally, but I'll take it. His health history looks mostly clean. He does have a grandparent who was diagnosed with cancer in their 60s, but because of our conversation with Alana, I'm feeling okay about what that means from a genetic standpoint. There's only one problem. We are not technically supposed to buy any sperm until we get it approved by our genetic counselor. And this is a Friday night at 11 p.m. By the time their offices open on Monday, this donor will probably have already sold out. I just feel like we've been burned in the past from waiting. Yeah. I'm not trying to make us make a rash decision. I just feel like we have a good feeling about a donor finally. Yeah. That other donor sold out in two days. Also, now is probably the point we should mention that each file of sperm is around $1,000. It's $1,500 It's $1,500 inflation. And our doctor recommended we buy five vials. If we don't get this sperm donor approved by our genetic counselor, we could return it to the sperm bank, but only for 50% of the price. We'll lose about $2,500. I know. It's not a small amount of money. Yeah, it's a stressful amount of money. We review the profile a million times over. Okay, the donor is not a carrier for the one condition I am a carrier for, which I am calling Argerio's Pizza. Health history seems fine. We're really trying to get into the mind of our genetic counselor to predict whether they'll approve the donor. Oh, that's so stressful. I even try texting Alana, but she's asleep. It's past midnight at this point, so we... Add five vials to our cart and hit checkout. It's really happening. I don't know why it feel, makes me feel more in control to figure out which credit card points are better. <laughs> Do you get two extra rewards for a semen? <laughs> we did it. Oh my God. I can't believe this is happening. We have sperm. Wow. I'm emotional. Is that weird? <laughs> I never knew I'd be getting emotional over sperm. And, you know, this is just the beginning because now that we have sperm, we can actually start trying. And that'll be next season on No Matter. Wow. Hit him with a cliffhanger. (laughs) Right? A huge thanks to Jamie Kelton for coming on the show. We highly recommend checking out If These Ovaries Could Talk for more stories about LGBTQ plus families and how they are made. Thanks for listening to No Matter. This podcast was produced by me, Katie Marenghi, with original music by Andrew Bunyay. We want to hear from you. If you have questions or are interested in sharing your story about becoming a parent, please email us at nomatterpod at gmail.com. 
If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. It really does help new listeners find us. You can find more about us and how to support the show at nomatterpod.com. Thank you.